Hello. You are listening to the Tyree Wardrum Motorsports Show. This is a podcast all about everything motorsports, you know, the biggest genres, the amateur genres as well, um, and the amateur disciplines. Now, this is, you know, motorsports from my perspective, Tyree Wardrum, also known as the Big Ticket. I do kind of call myself that from time to time. Um, I don't think anybody has called me that yet, but whatever, whatever, whatever. That's not the point. That's not the point. Welcome to the show. Today's episode is really going to cover, you know, the Bahrain GP, um, the Sakir GP coming up. It's going to cover, you know, the WRC, IMSA. Um, I'm doing a MotoGP recap of the year and then I'm going to dive into some uh, one of my friends. He's actually made an entry for a Battle of the Builders coming up next year with the SEMA Roadshow. Uh, He's also done some other stuff as well, uh, trying to, you know, uh, start a business in the customs line and also be talking about the Super, the Autobox Super GT. Uh, their final round in Fuji that just occurred and, um, you know, really give my take on that as well as, you know, the season, I guess. Uh, and lastly, you know, video games, whether people like to admit it or not, esports and video games in general are a part of motorsports and are a part of, you know, the racing lifestyle. So obviously there's going to be sim racing, arcade racing, whatever, but they're still a part of motorsports in my personal opinion, simply because, you know, I'm a part of the younger generation. So obviously it's going to be a part of motorsports to me because that's where a lot of people started out before they even got into their first cart or before they even got into their first car, you know? All right. Now, I do have a lot of notes, a lot of notes. Are they on the computer? Because the computer's actually right here in front of me right here. So, no, it's not on there. I didn't type it up at all. It's, I'm old school. I'm old school, as they like to say, pen and paper. All right? Um, if you don't know, I, I pulled up. Head over to YouTube.com slash Tyreek uh, There should be a link or something down there in the bottom, <laughs> in the description of uh, the, not only the, um, the audio version, wherever you're listening to them, available on all platforms. So go ahead and rate the show five stars and uh, share with your peoples if you truly enjoy, you know? Um, and also, uh, there's also, you know, I, uh, I'm on YouTube, okay? <laughs> this is a video. There's, this is, this, there's a video for this podcast. That's one of the number the one things that I, I keep doing. Uh, you know, podcast episodes come out every Tuesday. Videos come out every Tuesday along with that. Starting up, like I said, I'm going to be talking about MotoGP. All right. Well, basically, I'm not talking in order. Okay, <laughs> I'm not talking in order. I'm basically just talking about the things that really come up first. But starting off with MotoGP, this year has seen so many, you know, uh, new regulations and, and has seen, um, you know, event changes. And a recap is necessary. And I mean, yeah, other teams have done recaps and whatnot. But I, I, I decided to do my own personal recap of MotoGP. Starting off, COVID. Honestly, COVID-19 has truly affected a lot of motorsport races and industry, everything, really. All the uh, the world, you know, the world um, championships and all that stuff has been tied down to Europe, and MotoGP was one of those things. All their flyaway events were canceled, you know, and of course, they even suffered a delayed start as well. So that's kind of, you know, that's, that, that goes into all the things that go on with MotoGP. You know, they really did suffer a delayed start rather than starting in, I believe, April when it would have actually started. They actually started in June, um, not June, July. They started in July at the first round in Jerez. Um, you know, these, these COVID has truly affected a lot of things. I mean, the small businesses have gone out of business, have, have, you know, been, have gone out of business, really. And, um, uh, MotoGP is not really a small business, but they had to adjust and, and you know, 
play defense, kind of. They had to be proactive with it and come up with something that would be appeasing and, you know, to not only their people, to their fans, but also something that would um, make sure that everyone stays relatively safe. Uh, Valentino Rossi ended up getting um, and tested positive for... Um, for COVID-19, which, uh, I mean, he's the GOAT, so he's perfectly fine. He ended up getting two negative tests and was able to come back after missing two rounds, I believe, uh, Valencia and Tervel. Uh, the, the, the Tervel rounds, he, he missed those two and ended up coming back for uh, whatever race he ended up coming back for. But he only missed two weeks, uh, two rounds of racing and was able to come back on the third one. Um, he wasn't the first rider uh, that, you know, came back positive. There were some people in Moto2 that, that also had issues. Um, I'm not really covering Moto2, although Moto2 and Moto3 are a part of MotoGP. I normally just stick with the top tier class. Um, you know, if I do a specific video or something like that on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Tyreek Waldron, I mentioned before, you can head on over there. There's plenty of videos, not, you know, there's my podcast episodes as well as specific clips if you just want to hear specific things. Um, and then um, there's also, um, you know, like uh, gaming stuff that's going to be on there as well as some motor vlogging stuff once this weather, once, you know, springtime comes back around because... It's cold. I live up north. I don't have year-round riding season. And, I mean, there, there was a problem. There was an issue with my motorcycle. So I'll end up fixing all that stuff and getting all that stuff ready to go. But all in all, I'm good. I'm chilling. Um, yeah, COVID-19 really changed up the season. You know, changed up the schedule. Canceled all the flyaway events. I really would have wished that they came into the Americas, but they did not. Okay, cool. So I watch everything on TV or wherever I watch it. You know, I got my sources. Don't worry about it. Um... <laughs> But, yeah, uh, another one, I'm sorry. See, I got my notes right in front of me, but, you know, I don't tend to look down. I mean, I look down a lot, don't get me wrong, but, like, sometimes I need to look down. Um, Valentino Rossi had missed Aragon in the Turvel rounds, not Valencia. I think he came back for Valencia, for the Valencia round. But um, another uh, MotoGP, the Premier Class rider, was uh, Iker, Iker Laconia. I don't know. I'm not their parents. I'm not their father. I really struggle with European names. Um, unless they've told me, unless I've like heard it repeatedly, I'm not going to remember it. But uh, he was forced to miss the, Val uh, the Valencia and the last, the final uh, Portimao Portuguese round um, because he also tested positive. And he, he, I believe his brother and his mother had tested positive. He tested positive. And some a member of his team tested positive. Now I, I really want to kind of dive into the COVID stuff with with uh, MotoGP because these guys, some of these guys, I understand the concept that you know everyone wants to see their family. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna stand here and say yo you're not you're not allowed to see your family and nothing like that. But you gotta kind of understand that you're. I guess, you know, some guys, they don't care. Obviously, some, you know, some people are, I'd rather risk seeing my family um, and get the opportunity to spend time with them than, uh, than really care about a trophy or, you know, but if that's, if that's really where you're headed, if that, if you care about the trophy, you'll, you'll take the necessary precautions at least, you know, um, some of these guys did not take the necessary precautions flying away to go see family. Um, don't get me wrong. I would have done the same thing, but not, not really what you should have done. I should say, um, but all in all, you know, you, you know, you're being advertised and 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 uh, represented, uh, following you know the rules and, and doing everything, and you know your every day move is watched and whatnot. So you, you can't hide it, nothing like that. But it's it's definitely something that you know a lot of a lot of people need to understand. I watch the NFL now, and so many teams are being and all these teams are being penalized. You know, they're being um, because you know guys are being 
in my personal opinion, stupid. You know, uh, got NFL coaches not wearing masks and stuff like that, talking directly to the quarterback and all. I, I mean, I guess yeah, they have to get negative results and whatnot and, and all that stuff in order to even be on the field and, and everything. But come on, it still shouldn't be the case. Um, <laughs> fucking NBA handled that beautifully. Anyway. Um, going back to MotoGP, the Yamaha controversy at the beginning of the season is definitely definitely something that's worth mentioning, I should say. And here's why. Because Yamaha had, uh, had did some adjustment to their valves on their engines uh, just before the start of the round in uh, Jerez, the, the start of the season. And um, with that, they ended up... Basically, they won. They won that opening race. Um, you know, the Yamaha factory team had won, and the uh, Yamaha, and the Patronus SRT Yamaha team had won. Okay, they uh, collected a whole bunch of points. But later on, well, not later on, but it was discovered that there was actually an error, and their engines were not homologated. Uh, and they did the adjustments to their valves during and during the homologation freeze time, which is just basically, yeah, you, know, you have this much amount of time to get everything verified and get everything actually. Um, authenticated by you know the, the the rule makers and the inspectors and all that stuff before the actual racing and everything and they made adjustments during a time when they weren't supposed to make adjustments and um or when adjustments and stuff like that wouldn't be verified or anything and um ended up going into the season and going into that first round and getting some victories but <laughs> they actually were penalized uh they're actually penalized and um which i it they're not fighting it so obviously they, they they take ownership of that they ended up missing out on winning the constructors title because yamaha has been at the top of the game in actually getting you know uh, consistent points uh, so they would have won the construction the constructors title but being that um they were penalized because yamaha as a manufacturer were uh, docked 50 points and um the teams were docked the Patronus Yamaha team was docked 37 points because that's what they earned with those uh, in, with, with the non-homologated engines. And uh, the Yamaha factory team also was docked 20 points uh, because they, uh, that's what they earned with the non-homologated uh, engines and um, or the non-homologated specifications. So they were basically everything was basically taken care of. Ducati ended up winning the constructors title. Uh, KDM, KTM actually got their first win as a constructor this year. Um, with I think Brad Bender, uh, if not Brad Bender, somebody else. I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, this is early in the morning, so please bear with me. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, they were docked, they were docked accordingly, and they did not win the constructors title, and they did not win, you know, the actual title altogether. So, there's that. Now, like I said, calendars were affected, okay, um, rounds were canceled, no Grand Prix in the Americas, um, it was went from I think 25 rounds down to 14 rounds and I mean they started late so they kind of had to cut rounds anyway um, and venues that were supposed to return this year actually didn't there was like one in like Sweden or something like that that was supposed to come back that did not and uh, they weren't gonna bring back and that season that track and that venue hadn't been back since like 1986 or something like that uh, since the 1980s or the 1970s and uh, they wanted to bring it back and because of COVID, that was all uh, basically denied and revoked. Um, now, season summary, Mark Marquez was supposed to be coming back to defend for a fifth time. A fifth time. Uh, a fifth consecutive title. He was when he had won four years straight prior, and uh, this was he was coming back to get a fifth one, honestly, in my honest opinion, because nobody seemed to, have, nobody seemed to be able to beat him. Uh, and I don't think that anyone was going to beat him again this season. But 
opening round, he suffered a major injury to his arm. He basically broke his arm. And um, he was able to, uh, he tried to come back the next season, but that was uh, aborted, basically, because he, he, he just couldn't suffer through the pain. Um, and uh, he ended up just taking off the entirety of the season, which I think is a very smart move. I'd rather you be healthy for the next season, come back strong, and be able to actually compete than do yourself more damage trying to compete this season. And, you know, you might end up in another accident, might end up in another crash, and then things end up worse for you. So good props to him, good props to the team and getting that actually done and, and, and uh, making that responsible decision. So definitely props to them. Um, now... Rossi actually had his worst finish of the season this year. Obviously, he was out for two rounds, and he has weighed so, so many so many crashes this season. The man had like four crashes this season that really that took him out of the race completely. I mean, there was I think there might have been some other rate, uh, other slides or something like that where he was able to pick up the bike and get back on and go, but. For the most part, you know, he uh, it just wasn't the, it just wasn't the correct situation for him. It, it was a, definitely a bad season, and this season was supposed to be the season where he proves that uh, he still has some type of competitive nature. Which, in all aspect, in all honesty, he does, because he was in you know first not not first, but he was in like third, fourth, fifth position uh, before actually you know falling out. And these were like early or mid races. He did lose one mid one late race, and he I believe he was in like second position, and uh, he was which was definitely stung, you know. Uh, and I'm sure that was a big, big upset for him. But all in all, he was still able to uh, to showcase that he can be competitive if you know other things like COVID or crashes don't really affect um, the season, his season. Uh, so he is now moving from the Yamaha factory team to the Yamaha Patronus SRT team and uh, he's going to be running with the young boys, all the people who he basically inspired and uh, the people who were a part of his um his uh, Rossi, the, the, the V46 Academy, the VR46 Academy, and you know, those those guys that, that came up under him like that, he's basically gonna be there and I'm sure he's gonna be a mentor and, and just, you know, uh, giving guys, um, you know, different, I mean, they're already at the top, tip top level, but it's him. So obviously guys are still gonna respect the things that he has to say and the pointers that he gives. So obviously, you know, that, that's, that's basically what we're expecting from him next season. And, and he just wanted to show that he was still competitive this year, you know, before he signed any contract or whatever. And he did that, obviously some crashes and stuff really, you know, kind of hindered him from really being the uh, necessary, like points competitive and whatnot. But his competitive drive is still there. He's still in pretty good shape and still able to compete to his to his maximum, not to his maximum potential, but to a pretty substantial uh, amount. Okay. Um, now this season saw nine. Jesus, this season saw nine different winners. Nine different winners. Eight of them uh, were literally consecutive, back-to-back, -back different winners uh, for eight separate rounds. And you know, Morbidelli, Quartararo, uh, those guys have won multiple races. Um, but you know other guys have only won one but you know you would expect fabio quarterero to actually have the victory and all that stuff he was in sec he was in second place at the end of the season for the championship standings but he suffered greatly in wet racing and he also suffered greatly when he crashed um and not only crashing he just he had very good racing at the beginning of the season, very good racing at the beginning of the season, and, and he tried to, I guess, continue that. Obviously, uh, everybody would want to want him to continue that. That would be the best bet, but, you know, after suffering accidents, I think he crashed literally twice in free in, in one of the qualify one of the qualifying rounds, and then he, he ended up having to come back and try to race in the season, but during the race, he just couldn't manifest any type of competitive nature. Um, 
And I mean, he, he did end up crashing a couple times, uh, which ended up taking him out of, out of races and, you know, it's all a part of the game. And uh, he couldn't get the, he couldn't get the W. He, you know, if he basically, if he wasn't in the top five or top four, he was in like 11th. Or, or worse, basically. Um, that's basically that's that's the level he was at. If he wasn't in that competitive nature up front, he was in the back losing and then not really doing anything great. Um, now, Johan Mur by mid-November had already confirmed his win. Like it was already established before the final round. Um, he came up because Fabio had did suffer because Fabio did suffer and um, ended up losing, you know, some races and whatnot, losing positions and whatnot. He was actually, uh, Murr was actually able to confirm that he would be the winner because Fabio was in second place. Now this season before mid-November or at the start of November was basically up for grabs amongst like four different riders, which, you know, is definitely competitive. And uh, it was great to see guys actually put it all on the line and try and go out there and get that victory. But Murr ended up coming on top and, you know, guys didn't execute plans or execute the way that they were supposed to and uh, they ended up kind of dwindling away in the race and then dwindling away in the point system and Murr came through and handled business and did what he was supposed to. Alex Renz, actually, uh, he was who I was kind of prospected to win. Either him or one of the Yamaha people, um, the Yamaha boys, like I was expecting either, you know, Vinales or uh, maybe Morbidelli or something like that to, to get a victory. Um, that This was at the beginning of the season. Um, I think Alex Renz is definitely dangerous. He's definitely dangerous. He deserves to be recognized simply because the man, his late, his, his race pace let, uh, alone is something that's definitely a quality that a lot of guys can't seem to, to can't seem to grasp. Whether he's in ninth, he'll come back and overtake so many freaking people and move forward and do whatever is necessary to get back in a championship fight. And you know that's what he actually did because I think he was in like fifth or, or sixth position in championship points and then raced and did everything, did a late kind of season push and ended up coming in third for the entirety of the championship. So that's a double podium in the championship standings for Suzuki, um, and it's actually the first time in damn near in basically in exactly two decades since 2000 with Kenny Roberts Jr. that a Suzuki rider had actually won a championship title and um, it's a uh, and it's like been I think the last time that a non Honda or non Yamaha rider had won the actual um, championship was I think in 2007 when a Ducati rider had came in and won the championship so Yamaha and Honda have been dominating for basically two freaking decades and Suzuki at you know at the start of the decade in 20 in 2001 and at the start of this one 2020 had one again so i guess we might be seeing another reign of hondas and yamahas i, I don't know if history is going to really really repeat itself like that hopefully ducati can step up and um ktm i really want to see ktm succeed and uh, really push forward next thing was um What's happening for next year, I don't know. I believe a uh, 2021 season had just been provided. A provisional 2021 season had just been provided, but uh, who knows where that, where, what that, if that's really gonna be confirmed. Um, I'll probably let you guys know when it happens, obviously. So stay tuned for the next couple episodes, you know? Stay tuned with me. Um, moving away from that though, I don't really know what to expect from the 2029 season. Um, guys, you know, you need just, just follow the COVID-19 regulations and make sure that, you know, another season will be guaranteed. Um, and um, stick around for, you know, off-season coverage and coverage when the season starts back up because I will be all over MotoGP as well as every other aspect of motorsports that I can possibly think of that I actually watch and that I actually um, pay attention to, you know? So this is stuff that I'm relatively passionate about. So, uh, def well, not relatively. I'm definitely passionate about it. It's uh, literally something that I want to uh, go into the future and, and maybe um, 
really create something out of it. And, uh, you know, my main goal with this is uh, kind of opening up inclusion for that. Like, if you would go on the YouTube, if you would go to YouTube on my channel, you'll see that, um, you'll see who I am, <laughs> basically. And uh, you'll understand what I mean by, you know, inclusion and diversity in motorsports. And, uh, you know, I, me, myself, personally, I've raced a little bit. And um, aside from that, you know, I, I went into more like the journalist side and, you know, trying to find out different things and know different things and the rules and whatnot and uh, make sure of, of other racing and other aspects of racing and, uh, you know, role models in racing popped up and all that stuff when I grew interest in different disciplines and I was able to actually, you know, kind of expand my knowledge on racing as a whole and I'm trying to share that with people like me. Simple. <laughs> now, like I said, I'm old school, so I wrote my notes down. Don't hate me. It's what I like to do. I write a lot, okay? I write a lot. Um, actually, shoot, I write, I have a, <laughs> I write blogs that I haven't even published yet. Anyway, um, the IMSA. Uh, the IMSA season has been wrapped up. That is, you know, this this is really, it's the end of the year, so it's the end of the season. It's, coming, it's the end of the seasons, man, and, you know, it's, it's tough to see them go or, you know, you're, you're really amped up for next year. And uh, the IMSA is one of those series that I'm really uh, amped up for. Porsche GT team is out, which kind of sucks because, you know, this is the year that I actually really watched them. Um, IMSA was never big on my scale, but after this year and after seeing, um, you know, so, some of their races and seeing some of the series and understanding that they're basically like the WRC not WRC, the uh, World Endurance Championship. They're basically like WEC, and um, you know it's kind of just tied down to the United States, which you know, in my personal opinion, is great. Um, I think they only did that because of the the COVID stuff that happened, but uh, for the most part, I still I still enjoyed it. It's still a great series to watch, and you know, for anybody, you know, they allow privateer teams and all that stuff to come in as long as you're able to feel the car, uh, like. Uh, AOA Racing, I had covered this in one of my previous episodes. It's uh, based out in Atlanta. They were able to participate in a Road America um, Speedway in, in Atlanta, the Michelin Road America Speedway, whatever, um, in Atlanta, and um, actually able to participate once they fielded the car. So, you know, that opportunity is there in IMSA, and anyone who's, you know, I don't, I don't know how to actually get a part of that. I'll probably cover that at some point. Um, but I'm, I really want to get into the IMSA network and try and figure out and maybe develop some contacts or something like that. I really want to see how far, because I'm, I'm, I'm really, I really got interested in it this year. Um, you know, with this COVID stuff, everybody gets to stay home, relax. Well, not everybody, but you know, you get, you, it, you spend more time streaming stuff and more time, you know, on online and whatnot. So from there, it was, it's definitely something I really uh, enjoyed watching. And I think, uh, I mean, I tried to provide my own, you know, style of commentary. Uh, I've done commentary over some, like, some uh, some video game racing and stuff like that. It, not the greatest, obviously. I have to build up my skills as I go along. Um, but I do plan on getting better at it. And uh, hopefully, I don't know if I'll be commentating, but uh, hopefully, uh, I don't know. I'm, hey, speak it into existence. I don't necessarily want to commentate, but if that's something I could get to, hey, I got no problem with it. I feel like I should be more in a journalistic aspect, and uh, I really want to develop something with IMSA. Don't know why. That's just after this year, I'm really tied to it, and I will definitely be advancing more and more into it uh, and trying to develop as many contacts or whatever as I can. Um, 
and hopefully go from there. You know, this is gonna take a while. This is growing. This show is gonna take a minute, but uh, I mean, you can always help out. You know, make sure to rate the show five stars if you're listening, and uh, like or subscribe. Well, like and subscribe if you're uh, watching. Um, moving from that though, you know. Um, oh wait, actually, in the IMSA, there's actually Formula One drivers that's gonna be coming over. Kevin Magnussen and a couple other ga- names that I do not remember because they were complicated and I didn't feel the need to remember them. Uh, <laughs> But uh, Kevin Magnuson is apparently joining the Ganassi Cadillac racing team, so expect him to be driving a caddy. Hey, um, but moving from that, WRC, good news for the WRC fans. And I say that because Sebastian Ogier is not leaving this season. He is not leaving. He will be back 2021. He has signed another contract with Toyota because he doesn't like this season. And honestly, I don't think nobody does because this season was weird, you know, you know, um, Events were canceled, you know, like high level races and stuff were canceled and you weren't able to participate in them. And, you know, you want to kind of have your grasp on what the season is really going to be like for next year. And this year was not the opportunity to, to actually have that and to actually do that. But going into the next year, hopefully everything will be OK and, and he'll actually be able to put down the hammer. I mean, he's still in second place for the championship, but it's for the championship. So I don't. Uh, I mean, that's still pretty damn good to me, but I guess he wants to finish off a champion, so I can't wait for next season to see really how much he's going to put, you know, pedal to the metal and, and really go out there and compete. That's something that I would really love to see because I know he's very talented. He's literally a living, le- he's a legend in WRC, and um, I can't wait to see him push next season. So, hopefully, Seb, we'll see you then. Um, another thing that's happening in uh, WRC is actually the Rally 3 cars, the Fiesta Rally 3 cars that are being are now being produced by M Sport. Um, Fiesta Rally 3 is basically trying to be that uh, that intermediate level between jumping from a two-wheel drive car to an all-wheel drive, four-wheel drive car, um, and uh, a different power level and all that stuff, you know, giving guys the opportunity to handle it, but not with crazy power, uh, like 350 horses and whatnot, um, you know, more of the 215 range. Um, then it's also kind of seen as a more affordable option for people, you know, with a, I think they, they're doing a, a budget cap up to 100,000 euros for that seat, for that series, for Rally 3, so definitely cost-effective for people. Um, and, you know, they, M-Sport was, or the, the, the Poland director, um, I forgot his name, his name is Mesiej Water. Uh, he has definitely... Uh, he has expressed that it is they're just trying to serve an underserved area. Actually, what's the quote? Um, ah, he said, uh, the Fiesta Rally 3 is meant to be a brand new concept serving what has been an underserved area of rallying. Now, my personal opinion, I never really cared for the specific details as to what areas or what, you know, things are not being um, really represented in rallying aside from, I guess diversity but uh for the most part i still enjoy watching rally racing and um i mean i this, this was not necessarily a care that i had as a fan but i'm sure uh, you know from the aspect of you know who's actually participating who's driving and for guys going from the junior wrc into the uh the full-fledged fia wrc is definitely um it's definitely a step you know some guys are willing to you know go to that hard level right off the bat and, and figure out and try and tame it other guys need that intermediate that that medium difficulty um and be able to learn that and then go into the hard season and understand you know with, with already prior knowledge on how to handle the car and uh and really how to um and really how to perform and execute efficiently um so 
testing you know has been done with those vehicles with experienced drivers so hopefully those drivers are able to give them great tips and tricks and all that stuff going into the next couple seasons and going into the next year uh so and another thing this stuff should be the f the rally three car should be homologated before the start of the next season so we may be seeing that bracket of rally three uh really be um actually be you know actually participate basically it'll actually be a full-fledged um a full-fledged system and a full-fledged actual class of racing it's, that's what i was trying to say um moving on moving on moving on um i will be talking about the bahrain gp but first i gotta talk about my man lewis hamilton that is a role model for me personally but this season has been relatively very predictable uh, a lot of fans you know feel that way i feel that way um don't get me wrong i love the consistency i love the fact that he's going at it but damn boy this season has been definitely predictable he's pretty much been on pole every or not on not necessarily on pole position but in the top three top four every single race so that's never been an issue and then he normally finishes and then you know first um verstappen is usually there right behind him or botas is right there right behind verstappen or in front of Verstappen or whatever, but it's usually that mix of those three guys, uh, Valtteri, Botas, Max Verstappen, and Lewis Hamilton. Um, you know, it, it, it made this season a little bit stale. So sometimes I was into watching them, you know, watching battles for, for fourth and fifth rather than watching for first and second, because I already knew what was gonna happen up there. Um, but you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, the, the, those were some real nice battles. Daniel Ricciardo performed well in those, in those uh, positions, um, you know, uh, I expect him to, 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 to keep striving and keep doing great things. Daniel Ricciardo is definitely uh, someone I watch and someone I pay attention to as of, as of late. Um, but Lewis Hamilton is always definitely a role model to me. He's definitely the GOAT. Uh, I've established that plenty of times. You can go back and check any video you want. I'm pretty sure I mentioned him and I mentioned his cat and I mentioned his, um, his greatness. But I just wanted to talk about, you know, this, this season has been kind of predictable. Um, he's the, he is obviously the voice for change. Uh, in motorsports, he's in you know he's like that top voice for change and all that. So respect, uh, th that's all I want to say. But this season has been relatively predictable, and I can agree with fans when um, when they say that. And I think Hamilton is sticking around in, in the in, in F1 simply because you know he is that voice, and he uh, what, what, let me say said he feels like he's just getting started. He's you know which <laughs> doesn't really I uh, don't really understand. He's been here for almost ten years now for uh, over 10 years now and uh, he's you know performing at a great high class level but um you know the with things are on the brink in the motorsports industry with you know inclusion diversity and he's physically and mentally able and mentally you know fit to keep going and keep performing and keep executing and everything so expect to see him next season i'm not sure if he signed his contract yet pretty sure he didn't but we don't know how many years he's going to stay in there for the proposed contract was three years but you know, he might do one, two, who knows? But hope to see him next year, most definitely. I just hope that things are a little bit more adventurous. Things are a little bit more exciting uh, where the battle for first and second is not, you know, something that, oh, that's already been confirmed six races ago, you know? Um, <laughs> other than that though, uh, that's really all I had to say, but I can't wait to see what he has in store in all aspects of his capabilities because he is going to be doing some ownership stuff in an extreme e in one of the uh, in the extreme e series so going from there you know formula one is really making innovations and in not only trying to help with um 
what's that word, emissions and all that stuff, but also, you know, will help with, you know, safety and all that. And that's kind of what I want to bring up now with the Bahrain GP. Because um, I guess advancements, you know, advancements in safety has definitely saved, has definitely saved the life of Guajin, of Guajon, uh, Roman Guajon, he did suffer a very, 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 very bad, big uh, crash. The car ended up bursting into flames, split in half and burst into flames. Um, definitely, he's in good spirits. He walked away with some burns. I am not, you know, of, don't don't take my word as, as, as gold. I am not a F1 or I'm not a doctor or anything of that shape, but uh, from what I've read, he's, he's, <laughs> He's, uh, he suffered some burns on his hands, but for the most part, he's able to walk and, and able to do it. And he's been in good spirits. If you head on over to my Instagram at Tyreek Waldron, you'll see that um, he, he I posted up you know something um, from him, uh, a repost up from his page and whatnot, and he's been in good spirits, um, chatting it up with people and, and having conversations and you know smiling and stuff like that. So he's all good. Um, the, the, the advancements that I kind of wanted to talk about were the what's known as the halo. Um, the halo is, you know, there's that, there's the level of the car, because originally guys used to be able to see over that front end of that car, but now there's something known as the halo that covers up that next spectrum that kind of just, just, that goes over their heads. Um, it still stays within the aerodynamic field that these guys want and whatnot, but it covers just above their heads um, so that for a, a situation like this, because, you know, if that wasn't there, it, that he would have been going what 200 miles into a barricade hitting his helmet basically um the halo helped prevent that so thank god for some thank god for these advancements in um, motorsports racing as and formula one you know being that that maximum max speed at all times formula one is in it's not i don't want to hear no debate because formula one is definitely dangerous uh, you know, me personally, Isle of Man is still the most dangerous race on known, known in, in, in the world. But um, Formula One is definitely <laughs> is definitely dangerous. All forms of motorsports are dangerous. I don't care what that. He's talking all forms of motorsports is dangerous, and um, you know he's 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 alive. That's so. Thank God. That's all I really have to say. Thank God for that, and, and thank God for these you know advancements in safety and. and Thank God that he's in good spirits. Thank God he's, uh, you know, it's it's just it's it's good to see him smile. It's good to see him in, in, in good spirits and good to see him um, up. And I mean, he's not really moving around. He's still within the hospital bed and whatnot. But it's good to see that he's uh, sitting up and, and really conversing and, and everything like that, which is great. Um, I mean, in the video, I, his shoe was gone. Like one of his racing boots were gone, uh, and he was, you know, just climbing up and climbing out. You know, the those those suits that they wear yes they help with you know they're they're known for being fire retardant suits but <coughs> excuse me sorry but those only last for so long you know suits were really kind of you know made and adapted to be what 10 what 15 20 seconds or something like that before you really start feeling the effects of the burn of the burning and whatnot um and uh that so his gloves were about the only thing burned and gloves are really meant to protect you for like 10 15 seconds while the suit protects you for like 15 20 to 30 seconds uh before you actually start feeling any you know uh, actual burn um so that's why you know he, he walked away with a couple burns on his hands uh and by all means i hope he feels better i hope he feels good and i hope he heals up real soon uh somebody's supposed to be replacing him um pietri Ooh, 
Pietri Fittipaldi. <laughs> I hope I got it right. Uh, he's in for RG for the uh, Sakir GP. And um, that's also something else I want to talk about breaking news because I am recording this. Uh, I'm recording this episode late. Basically, I was supposed to record on Sunday. I am recording on a Tuesday that this episode is supposed to be uploaded. So, um, Hamilton has been has tested positive for uh, COVID. He's still who he is, so he's uh, relatively in good spirits. He's fine. Um, But uh, that's all I really had to say. He, um, Pietri Fittipaldi is is replacing uh, Roman Guajon, and um, Hamilton is going to be out for the Sakir GP. I mean, he's still confirmed the champion. It don't really matter who wins. Uh, But we might see kind of what the season would be like without Hamilton there. Get me? Well, we we might see some crazy who whoever wins. I'll be talking about it, so you know, stay tuned, and I'll bring it up. You know, next week after the race actually happens and whatnot. Um, now it was heartbreak for Sergio Perez, and actually before I get to that, I want to I want to talk about the qualifying because in, in the qualifying it was um it was it was a mechanical issue for um, for Carlos Sanz. Okay, he spun out his rear tire. His I think his left rear tire had uh, really locked up on him. Um, and, uh, like literally out of the blue, there was literally like no reason for it to lock up like that at all. It just locked up out of the blue. He was handling the, the corner very well, but it just locked up and he ended up spinning out technical difficulties. They had to do a session stop to figure out what the hell was going on. He had no drive and, um, trying to figure out what was going on and, you know, the car wasn't moving and he was just uh, sitting there kind of stranded basically. Um, next Alex Albin had a big crash at free practice too. Uh, he walked away perfectly fine. Um, he was. He said it was good. Um, he lost some traction going into one of the turns, or at least he's, I believe he swung wide and lost traction, and then tried to catch it, bringing it back one way. But then the car caught traction and sent him the other way, um, and lost that traction. And uh, he tried to fight it and tried to catch it, but ultimately did not work. And he ended up hitting a wall or uh, hitting a barricade or something like that. And um, Spun out, Carl was definitely totaled, and uh, you know he was, but he, he was able to get out and walk away perfectly fine. Um, and another thing was, um, no, that's it. <laughs> that's all I really had to say. Um, but those guys are perfectly fine. Um, in the actual race, though, Lewis Hamilton got the victory. Um, Max Verstappen came in second. Now, when I said heartbreak for. Uh, Heartbreak for Chico, heartbreak for Sergio Perez. I really meant that because you know he was doing substantially well in rate in the race, and he had a good drive the entirety of the race. Alex Albon was in fourth. Um, <clears throat> Sergio Perez was in third, and he was holding on to it. And this was late race, but I don't know what happened. Technical difficulties is all I really have to say. And um, he ended up his his car was basically on fire, and he had to pull off, and they had to bring a fire extinguisher to it, but man oh man that sucked to see because he it was definitely heartbreaking you know him having such a good drive and, and doing so well in the race just to end up going out because of something that was not even that was beyond his control is definitely um disheartening definitely disheartening to uh, actually see and, and man but um Alex Albin inherited that third place uh that third place position and walked away with third place Red Bull with a double podium in Bahrain that's all I really got to say for that <laughs> But thank God RG is okay, and um, 
um, I'm happy to see that he's in good spirits. So props to him. Uh, if you want to see like updates on the motorsports world and updates on, you know, not only my, my show as well, but uh, updates on, you know, motorsports and all that stuff, definitely follow me on my Twitter at TheBigTicket07 and follow me on Instagram at Tyreek Waldron because that's where I post a lot of stuff, not only about the show, but also about, you know, um, motorsports world, whether that be WRC, uh, Formula One, WEC, IMSA, whatever. Um, I post stuff basically every damn day, um, at least now, anyway, before, you know, this is where I'm really trying to get into that bag of being that journalist who I, who I know I am and um, getting that stuff out, out and, you know, really doing what I need to do um, in, in terms of, you know, filling, filling in that role, basically, that I'm trying to fill in. Um, now, I wanted to talk about one of my peoples, one of my partners. His name is Matthew Tracy. He is uh, did do his entry for a Battle of the Builders. If you want to see the video, you can head on over to my YouTube channel. It literally is titled Matthew Tracy SEMA um, Entry or something like that. I, I don't remember the title. But uh, if you want to just look up like Matthew Tracy SEMA or something like that, S-E-M-A, uh, that's for the SEMA Roadshow, you can definitely do that. I'm pretty sure they have it up on their channel as well. I'm almost certain. I'm a thousand percent certain they have it up on their channel as well. So that you should find it on there as well as mine. But, um, you know, He's from Jersey, so if anyone is, if, if, if anyone from the Jersey uh, world is listening, and from the Jersey area is listening, yo, support the local New Jersey in their, in their, in their, in their, uh, in their journey. Basically, you know, he's trying to use this as a stepping stone for his own customs career, uh, his own customs business. You know, this is the first, this is his own vehicle, so obviously uh, it's going to take some time. He doesn't have, you know, maybe all the things that he needs. He doesn't have a team behind him. He literally single-handedly put this car together, fabricated new pieces, fabricated custom pieces to fit the car and everything like that and you know it's it's a work in progress but boy my but boy boy he's doing it basically all right he's handling it and you know it's it's impressive it's impressive and i believe he plans on putting on a turbocharger and all that stuff getting about 700 horsepower out of the engine you know he you know um engine swapped and all that stuff all I guess with him and I guess his father uh worked on it together but you know for the for the for the majority of it basically by himself and I'm glad to see the results. I'm glad to see that, you know, the Battle of the Builders people really came out, gave him an interview, all that stuff, and, uh, you know, definitely support. I'll actually probably put that up on my Instagram, too, so head on over there if you want to watch it there. Um, but, like I said, I think you should definitely head on over to either the Battle of the Builders um, stuff, or you can head on over to my YouTube channel, you'll find it there. Um, he doesn't really promote his own shit, not, honestly. But I'll definitely do it for him and get his name out there, hopefully get him more votes and whatnot, or maybe get some more people to go out to the actual event. I'm not 100% sure where it's going, but um, you know, at the end of the video, you can. Um, there's uh, some information up about uh, uh, where you can go to find out more information and stuff like that. So, um, Matt, I hope you do well. And I mean, I will probably end up being at that, at that, uh, at that actual event if it, it doesn't. I will be at that event, <laughs> basically. I will be at that event, and um, hopefully I can help you get, you know, in, in conversations with people, and, you know, maybe other people would want, you know, some custom stuff built. Um, and to anybody in New Jersey who needs, you know, custom fabricated pieces and whatnot, give him a, give him a shout on, uh, on his Instagram. Um, Jesus, he has so many damn ones. He has a couple underscores. I never understood the concept of that. Um, but... If you're on the YouTube version, you can just head on down to the link in the description. It'll be there. Or you can head on over to the video uh, for his Battle of the Builders entry. It'll also be there. Or um, if you won't, <laughs> if you won't, 
Yeah, yeah. You can just head on over there. Head on or head on over to my Instagram. It'll be he'll be tagged and whatnot and all that stuff. So head on over to my Instagram. The video will be out by the time this video will be out. Everything will be uploaded. Whatever. You you know, it just there's just avenues you could take. Instagram, YouTube, you can head there. Alright. Um head to my Instagram, head to YouTube. You you'll find his name somewhere if you really want to support him, if you want to get in contact with him about some custom stuff, by all means go ahead. And look, hey, hopefully that brings him business and hopefully that gives him the start that he needs. Um, I was supposed to have an interview with him through my own stupidity and through my own technical difficulties. <laughs> that interview will not be uploaded. Um, was it a great interview? Yes. I wish I did not mess up, but I did. Um, I'm glad that it was with a friend, though, because, you know, uh, he understood completely. He's like, all right, bro, I'm not really stressing out. I was like, all right, bet, bet, bet. And, you know, I just upload this video and then talk about it. Um, uh, I'll probably end up trying to do another interview at some point in time with him um, when he actually has the time to do it. But uh, really upset with myself on that one. So, Matt, I apologize. Um, <laughs> moving in, moving on, moving on. The Autobox Super GT. The final round in Fuji. Oh my goodness, that was definitely an exciting race to watch. Because not, I always said that the Super GT is one of the most exciting races in the world. And I still stand behind that. I still stand on that. The reason I say that is the season was really split six different ways. Whoever won that final round was gonna get that championship victory amongst six different winners. It's not like it's not like Formula One where the winner is the winner was basically confirmed six weeks ago or whatnot. But it's definitely exciting everything is down to that final race and they have this handicap system that really keeps it you know exciting um one thing i do have to say though in the final race they do take away all the handicaps so it's full attack amongst everyone you it's just drive just race and just do what you need to do no handicaps no way down issues none of that everybody's just going out there doing full max i think in the first race and the last race that's how they work things out um now whew. Them NSX, uh, them, them, them NSX, the Rayburg NSXs or whatever, um, those things dangerous, <laughs> dangerous. Them things, like, they really do perform unlike anything I've ever seen. And the only experience I've had with it was in, like, some sim racing stuff. Um, and even in that, you could tell, oh my goodness, even in that, you could tell the superiority of those Rayburg NSXs. And, um, you know, that that's just my two cents on those. Um, going into the actual race, Fuji, Fuji was actually surprisingly cold that day. Um, I think Bridgestone Tires was at the top of the list for, you know, the most successful tire of the season. They were uh, they were amongst the top winners or the top runners uh, or the top drivers, the top cars had Bridgestone Tires, basically. Um, obviously, there's some of them that had Yokohama and all that stuff. So, But I think Bridgestone was the, the championship tire manufacturer. Um, now, on Fuji, I love Fuji. That is one of my favorite, one of my favorite racetracks of all time. My experience with it is really just tied down to video games. I've never been, and uh, I mean, I watched it on TV as well, and uh, watched it on Indies events and whatnot, but I've never actually been there or driven on there. Now, my experience goes back to sim racing video games and actually watching on TV, but there's tons of overtaking points. You know, you can analyze the track all you want. That's, that's never, you don't have to be there to analyze the track, but it's definitely a, uh, 
ton of overtaking points and there was a ton of super uh, toyotas toyota super specifically uh fuji is basically the home of of you know the the back lot of toyota um that's really so you know those guys are really going at it they were really trying to do whatever they needed and really perform and execute and um you know they were i mean so competitive amongst the toyota supers i mean these guys there was like three in line going to going from you know one corner to the next trying to wrap around the next person and it was a maneuver that you don't really that you don't see in f1 you don't see in in, in f2 you don't see in uh, i am I'm, well you might actually see that in imsa yeah that was in imsa a couple times well not three cars but you know definitely a whole lot of really competitive and ambitious battling throughout the entirety of the race that's in imsa but um you know those the having three cars going around those tight corners like that really trying to outdo the other oh man it was incredible sight to see incredible sight to see i recommend anyone and everyone go check out super gt uh but there was this neat uh, this nismo gtr that was on an entirely another level an entirely another level for the beginning of the race and i mean he was really pulling away i'm not sure what the hell happened but as the race continued he just kept dialing back and dialing back and then super was, uh and then the super was able to come back and 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 basically take that take that lead and, and go um I think a Supra and a Rayburg. I think that was in the 500 class. No, I think that was in the 300 class. Um, and but he was really, he was really pushing and, and doing what he was doing, what he was doing, what he had to do. But as the race went on, something changed. Not sure what, um, but something changed. Um, now, a, a big issue, a big issue was fuel management. I say this because that ends up becoming very imperative at the end of the race obviously because you know guys you run out you start running out of fuel towards the end of the race uh unless you went into pit and whatnot but uh they only had i think they only pit like maybe once or twice throughout the entirety of the race it was like 65 laps or something like that um but the points my point still stands really because fuel management was definitely a big issue fuel management is the result of celebration and heartbreak I say this because at the end in the final turn guys were really going at it really 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 fighting and really pushing and uh in the gt500 class there's there was a supra it's not by uh, driven by a real something but it's called the keeper supra like k-e-e-p-e-r k-e-e-p-e-r supra um and it ran like it, you could clearly see that something was going on because he kept slowing down this was in the last final two laps and he was slowing down and uh i didn't know what the hell it was about and then at that final literally at the final turn he sputters and he runs out of gas and he had a five second lead on top of the on, on top of the rayburg nsx behind him in second place who was also suffering from fuel management issues because right after he crossed the line he also ran out of gas So, <laughs> those guys were putting it all on the line. They did not care. I mean, obviously, they probably did, and they were trying to figure out fuel management systems. I think that Rayburg NSX had just accepted second. But seeing that, oh, and the heartbreak, the, the disappointment, the discouragement when he got out of the vehicle, the Keeper Super, when the Keeper Super got, a, uh, got out of the vehicle, uh, you know, it, it took him a minute to get out of there. It took him a minute, and then he just sat across, sat next to a barricade and just broken down, disappointed. You could see it from the body language as he got out. It was definitely disheartening to see, and I mean, it, it does something to the mental because I think he has a race literally a week later. Like he has a race coming up next week um, in a different in a different um, championship or in a different series or whatever, and it does something to you. It does something to you, and uh, you know, keep your head up, hold your head up. That's really all you got to say. 
hold your head up and um, well, we, we know that was a victory for you, basically. Um, I mean, I thought I would have probably maybe seen like some, some cars, uh, like uh, when Lightning McQueen had stopped and, and helped the other guy, you know, across the finish line and whatnot, but this is, this is real world competitiveness. Guys, you're out, what the hell? Wow, you're stopped, okay, go around, victory for me. And you know, he was cheering and all that stuff, but man, that wasn't your victory. Um, I mean, uh, but what are their names? Kyoto Fuji, uh, no. Um, Naoki Yamamoto and, um, and uh, Tada, jeez, I'm sorry, I don't know these names. Tada, Tadasuki Makino, you know, um, that wasn't the victory. I'm gonna just say that right there, and I don't know how to say this guy's names, but it started with R I Y O, so Rio. <laughs> Uh, so, but those the GT500 winner uh, winners were uh, Naoki Yamamoto and uh, Tadasaku Tadasuki um, Makino with uh, Team with Team Konamitsu and in the, in the uh, Rayburg NSX. Now, um, in the GT300 category was uh, Kyoto Fujinami and JP De Oliveira or Yao Paulo De Oliveira um, uh, with Condo Racing um, GTR. He, he was in a Nissan GTR. Um, I'm, the interview was a little weird between JP uh, Oliveira and you know it because he didn't seem as excited as he should be in my personal opinion for someone who just won who just finished winning a championship he didn't seem excited you know he seemed very just I mean after like the initial embrace of, of his teammate you know after that he was just right yeah talking and, and everything and I mean they were wearing masks I'm pretty sure his teammate was smiling but I couldn't tell if he was you know smiling or anything like that but he didn't seem as excited as, as I would have expected a champion to be. Uh, but uh, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's just how he is. Who knows? Uh, jumping to racing game news. Um, new hardware means improvement in current games like a set of Corsa and WRC9. And players who, had, who have that, you know, you're able to actually participate or, or you get the upgrades for free, basically, uh, when you actually transfer to PS5 and all that stuff. Um... Dirt 5 is more arcade but uh, than sim racing, but it was still well received. iRacing is still at the top of the top, in my personal opinion. Um, so people on console, their hardware is definitely just improvement on graphics and uh, in some cases for WRC9, um, the mechanics of the game uh, at times. Um, Project Cars 3 can kiss my ass, it wasn't worth it. I don't care who you are, if you say that it was worth it, you're just an arcade racer, you don't know, really know nothing about sim racing. Um, Project Cars has been a sim racing you know, staple uh, for people on console, but I don't know what they were thinking of Project Cars 3. I guess they were trying to appear to a newer fan base, but it didn't really work out that way. Um, <laughs> sim racers, then you got no need to worry. There, you're getting the upgrades necessary if you're on console, and if you've been on PC, then you're fine. You you never had to worry. Um, now, what's to come for next week? I don't really know. I'm not 100% certain. You know, um, uh, well, actually, I kind of do. There's gonna be esports e coverage next week because next week, you know, there's championships and stuff like that have been you know decided who the who's the winner and all that stuff. So I'll be covering esports next week as well as covering the Secure GP and. Um, giving you updates on the motorsports world whatever happens oh and also monza the monza uh, rally that's coming up um i will be doing coverage on that as well as seb uh, oj and all that stuff so stay tuned for the next episode um you know and uh, hopefully no technical difficulties and i'm able to actually have an interview 
you know, ready for you guys and coming up. Um, and lastly, to anyone, to any Michigander, there is a Detroit SCCA Rally Cross um, meet that's coming up on December 6th. Uh, I'm pretty sure you have to be a participator in order to go there because of the COVID stuff and the COVID regulations, so never mind. But just know that, you know, those series are there. You know, you can head on over to Facebook, to the Facebook group, and chat it up with some people, figure out what's going on. I don't know everything. So, you know, just just, just figure out what's really happening and uh, go from there. Um, that's all I really had to say. Peace. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. This has been the Tyreek Waldron Motorsports Show. Normally, I'm way louder and way more excited. But I'm recording this literally the day of. I have stuff to do. <laughs> so I'm sorry. But you can go back to my other episodes and you'll see the joy and, 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 uh, the, and, and the high pitchiness, I guess. Um, and next week, I'll be back strong and, and, and ready to go. So peace out. Have a wonderful day, wonderful week, whatever. And um, remember to have fun, man. Remember to have fun. Yeah, this COVID stuff is kind of hampering that right now, but remember to have some fun. And uh, remember to go out there and, and really celebrate your life. Peace. Thank you for watching this video. If you enjoyed, consider hitting that subscribe button. If you want to check out any more of my content, head down to the description box down below. And remember, you only have one life. Go out there and enjoy it.